Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports page and FederalBaseball.com. Nationals just got swept 5-4 to four Baltimore today. They take three out of three in D.C. Just when you start to believe tonight, Dave, they pull the rug out from under you again. Bottom of the seventh inning, Wilson Ramos hits a 2-0 fastball out to deep left field, almost puts it on the concourse, a 3-3 game. Number 14 for Ramos on the year, too short of his season, uh, high for a season. Matt Dendecker walks, Anthony Rendon singles, RBI double by Uni, 4-3 to three at that point, though Rendon gets thrown out of the plate for the second out of the frame there. Uh, Jason Worth lines out, another, he just got bad dipped this whole series, lines out to end the frame there. Two batters into the eighth inning, however. Score is 4-3 to three Nationals going into the frame. Blake Trining comes out of the bullpen. Steve Pierce singles on a line drive to right. Matt Weeder steps in, 1-1 fastball, 97 mile an hour in, 100-something miles an hour out to center field, two-run blast, 5-4 Orioles. They take the lead again. I just I should never write about relievers again because it seems like every time I do, like I did with the Blake Trinan story the other day, they blow up immediately afterwards. But Matt Weeders just puts the Orioles right back on top after the Nationals got a little bit of hope there. It's, it's all your fault. It is, I think. <laughs> um, look, you know that Blake Trin- Trinan uh, can't get lefties out. I know that Blake Trinan can't get lefties out. Most of Nats fans at this point understand that Blake Trinan can't get lefties out, um, yet he is still left in there to face uh, left-handed batters, and Matt Weeders just absolutely destroyed a center-cut fastball. And uh, Weeders is a good hitter. Um, he's got good power, and... Um, and that's what good batters do to meatball pitches. They clobber them, and he hit it straight to center field. All that Michael Taylor could do was turn around and watch it go uh, and admire it for its uh, depth and girth. I mean, it was a massive blast, and um, it's just this has become a tired, uh, self-perpetuating story now. I mean, the, the Nationals' bullpen has turned into Lucy to all of the fans' Charlie Brown. I mean, you know, every Nats get a come out there and they put that football out there and the Nats come up the Nats fans come up to kick it and Lucy just rips it right away from them. So uh so I I now from now on I, I think we should call Blake Trine and Lucy because that's uh that's what he does. He puts that football out there and pulls it right well. Um I wanna I wanna go back to the, I wanna I wanna go back to that seventh inning though, um and just make one one snide comment about how um you force a play at the plate with one out um, instead of letting the, the best hitter in the planet, Bryce Harper, get a swing to drive him in. Um, there's no reason to send Anthony Rendon on that play whatsoever uh, with only one out. Um, you, you hold him at third base, even if Harper makes an out, you bring that run in, as opposed to running in and out at home plate. It was just a ridiculously poor decision by Bobby Henley to send Anthony Rendon on that play. Uh, what makes me saddest about your peanuts metaphor is that I'm definitely the one sitting there like this time she'll hold the ball. <laughs> unfortunately, I don't learn. Unfortunately, I don't learn my lesson. As you mentioned there, Blake Trinan. I also put this at the end of my article and made definite, uh, made sure to note that he has to figure out lefties. 189, 270, 221 line against right-handers this year in 120, 138 plate appearances. 327, 414, 455 before today, and 116 PAs, and you still leave them in there to get it. 
left-handed catcher who's not hitting all that well, 251 on the year, but he's certainly got all that one, and that's something Blake Trinan definitely has to work on next year, as I mentioned, if he wants that eighth-inning role, which is up for grabs, and Drew Storm's seemingly out of here, and probably a lucky guy for that if that happens this winter, but uh, just let's get angrier. The bottom of the eighth inning, Clint Robinson doubles to start the frame. You bring on, as you mentioned on Twitter, I think we had a jinx tweet at that point, the second fastest runner in the organization, probably behind Trey Turner. Wilmer Dyfo comes on at second base to run. So, of course, you have Ian Desmond trying to bunt him over. He scores on any sort of hit that gets through the infield, and you have a tie game there, but they try to bunt him over and play for that one run, go for the tying run so their bullpen can blow it again later. That's just an aside there. But Ian Desmond bunts into an out at third at that point. Michael Taylor walks to put Desmond in scoring position, but Ramos strikes out, Tyler Moore strikes out, and uh, leadoff runner on second just completely wasted at that point in a one-run game. Why are you bunting there, Matt Williams? I really just don't get it at this point. Well, no, much like Bobby Henley sending Anthony Rendon in the previous inning, Matt Williams telling Ian Desmond to bunt there, is simply a case where the coach and or manager um, is saying to his players, my players can't get it done, so I'm going to make a decision to force them to do something that's outside of their nature um, in order to try to win this game because I don't trust my players to win the game. That's simply all that move is. Um, and, you know, no outs. You've got the second fastest man in the organization on second base. You've got, you know, professional major league hitters coming up, and I use that term with Desmond, Taylor, and Ramos. I mean, they're all strikeout machines, but um, but they all also are capable of, of, of hitting one out and giving you a two-run lead at that time. Um, and it's simply misguided to ask a player like Ian Desmond to try to bunt. I mean, he doesn't do it very often. Uh, you can't expect him in a pressure-filled situation to do a good job of it if he doesn't do it very often. Uh, we all know that bunting uh, reduces your chance of scoring, sacrificing reduces your chance of scoring runs anyway, so we'll, we'll even forget about that. But this is simply a case of Matt Williams saying, I don't trust my players to the next three players in line here to get a base hit to tie this game up, so I'm going to make a managerial decision and take it out of their hands. And once again, he failed with it. You put any blame on Dipo there for just going or in that position? If he got to try to make that, uh, there's a few mentions on the broadcast that he doesn't necessarily have to go once he sees that bunt down. But I think once you're committed and once you're going for it at that point, it's hard to blame the runner. Dipo didn't play a game above Double A all you know before this season started. No, I don't blame Dipo. The play was on. Um, his manager told him that the play was on. He ran. You can't you can't blame a, a 22-year-old kid that, that hadn't played above double-A this year to run there because the play was on. Desmond got the bunt down. Uh, this was simply a managerial decision that completely backfired. We had a few mentions of the second fastest man in the organization at this point. We got a real nice look at the fastest one in the organization in the bottom of the fifth inning. Trey Turner uh, follows up a Wilson Ramos single with a double, sends Ramos around a third. Backfly brings Ramos in, Nationals' first run, 3-1 three run, three Orioles at that point. UNL Escobar singles to left in the next at-bat, and you really got to see a nice display of Trey Turner's speed there. I mean, it was a grounder through the left side. It was a bit of a soft one, but they had no chance on the play at home. Turner was there before the throw even got past the pitcher's mound. Just tremendous speed we saw from him, and I really like the swing on that double more than anything else. That was the first one we've really seen him barrel up and line to left, and nice double by him there, and Nice running on the base pass to get the Nationals two runs at that point, and really a nice little display of what Trey Turner is going to bring in the future for the Nationals there. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we saw all of his talents on display here tonight. Um, you know, like you said, he, he barreled up on that double, uh, looked really good doing it. Um, and then scoring just on a routine ground ball through the left side, uh, the Orioles didn't even have a play on that. I mean, Steve Pierce is a lousy fielder, so, um, you know, the, the Nats were taking advantage of that as well. But um, but even a, a, an average to above average left fielder wouldn't have had a play on that ball. I mean, Turner just saw it get through right off the get-go, knew he was going to score, uh, turned on the afterburners, and was just really impressive watching him, um, you know, score from second base just on a, on a routine, you know, ground ball single type of thing. They're going to lose Ian Desmond. I hope they have a cojones. Is that the right word? And just forget about the uh, worrying about Super 2 status and uh, starting his arbitration clock and get Trey Turner up there from the start. And I think we've said a few times, and you definitely said that he's proven what he needs to in the minor leagues at this point, uh, putting up over 300 with a high OBP at uh, two levels, AA and AAA this season. And if you're going to make him your shortstop of the future, get him up there and get him those at-bats. So if you need him in the beginning of the season, he's ready at the end of the season. If you're going to be in any sort of contention next year, you think there's any chance that happens or you think they're going to play the arbitration game and keep him down long enough to not have to worry about uh, him hitting Super 2 status early? Well, they made that trade with the idea that he'd be be able to step in when Desmond departed. I mean, they they knew right they knew all along that Desmond wasn't going to resign here, that he was going to test free agency. So um, they made that deal with the idea that that he would step in and be the opening day starter. I think they will give him every opportunity to win that position because uh, in spring training, because the options are um, either Danny Espinosa or you know Escobar, unless they go outside the organization, and I don't see that happening because they really do think that Trey Turner is the player in that position long time, and, and I think he's got all the promise in the world uh, to go ahead and, and take that position. I mean, defensively, he can, he'll be able to stick at the position. Um, I don't think he has anything left to prove in, in the minor league level. Um, it, like you said, if, if you, the Nats have plans on contending, they're going to want Turner to get you know at bats in April and May and June and get all that worked out um as opposed to bringing him up mid-season and trying to work in a rookie uh into your lineup mid-season uh in a season that you expect to uh, to at least contend for the playoffs again. Right. As I've said before on the show if you think he's going to be your shortstop of the future get him up there from the start worry about the contract later buy out his arbitration years and then you don't have to worry about super 2 status and anything like that so if you really believe he's ready to play that and I think they do but We'll see what they do at the beginning of the season. Uh, One option at short, if they don't bring him up from the start, Danny Espinosa, we learned today, likely done for the season. Someone said unless they make the postseason, which just hurt my heart a little bit. But uh, hamstring injury, a tear of his hamstring, done 240, 311, 409 line on the year, 21 doubles, 13 home runs, and a nice bounce back season, 2.2 fangrass war. A nice season from Espinosa. I still think they're better off with him as a utility player and some starters at the positions that he could play. But nice to see Danny Espinosa come from you know as low as you can go, basically as a major leaguer, getting sent down two years ago, struggling throughout the season the year before, and comes back with a nice season at least, even though it ends a little early here with the injury. Yeah, Danny Espinosa is a valuable bench player. I mean, he's he's a credible. Uh, second baseman and shortstop, and even third baseman at the major league level. Um, you mentioned his batting line, 240, 311, whatever. Um, that is not a starter in the major leagues. Um, he, he is certainly capable as a bench player. Uh, he's got some pop off the bench. Uh, um, certainly as a spot starter for you know a couple weeks at a time while somebody's nursing an injury or whatnot. But 
Um, but Danny Espinosa is not a starter in the big leagues. Uh, it just uh, he just um, doesn't make enough contact on a routine enough basis to to uh, to do that. Um, I do think he is a valuable player, though. I think he's certainly a valuable bench player. Um, I certainly expect the Nats to bring him back. Um, but if they have to start the season with him starting at second base or at shortstop, um, they're going to be they're going to be in trouble. I mean, this is a team that is going to be. Um, going to have a lot of turnover between this year and next year for, for a World Series contender. Um, and if they downgrade from Ian Desmond to Danny Espinosa at shortstop, um, that could just be an indication of, um, of further troubles for the Nationals for next season. My opinion, a big story after last night's loss should have been the Nationals' blown opportunities in two straight games when the Mets were losing. They could have gotten it down to four and a half games if they won both those games over the Orioles, who are not a very good team at this point, even though they looked good against the Nationals at least. But the big story, of course, was the hit-by-pitch, which I don't like for a number of reasons. First of all, hitting someone up high. Second of all, it gives Buck Showalter a chance to take the high ground on us, which I never like. And then you set up a situation where Bryce Harper might get hit today. Uh, Bryce Harper didn't get hit. The Orioles did what Buck Walter said before the game and responded by just beating the Nationals for three straight in here. What do you think of the whole reaction last night, uh, the team not necessarily sticking up for Papelbon? And I, I'm not a big fan of Manny Machado and that bat-tossing incident last year and some of the stuff he had to say last night after he hit the home run off his shirt. I still don't like him all that much, but... Just the incident in hindsight, uh, 24 hours later, what do you think of that? And what about the losses when the Mets were losing there? Well, I mean, obviously, um, you know, the Nets weren't able to take advantage of, of the Mets losing. And I, I said this the other night is, um, you know, the, the Nets um, were in a, a no-lose situation. I mean, they, they had to win um, every game possible and, you know, they just they they're simply not able to do that. I mean, they've played much better in September than they did in August. Um, you can't win every game, um, and the Nets were just in a position where they had to. And, and even though the Mets were losing, the Nets weren't able to take advantage of it. I, you know, we said this uh, weeks ago that it was going to take uh, the Mets uh, going into a going into a slump, losing you know five out of six or eight out of ten games, and the Nationals winning that many, and it just that just didn't happen. Um, as far as the whole Machado thing, I mean Machado. Um, is how's what's the best way to put this? He's a vibrant personality. I mean, he, if, he 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 gets described a lot the same way Bryce Harper does. If he's on your team, um, you think he's brash and you think he's brazen and you think he's he's cocky but cool. And if you and if he's on the other team, you think he's a jerk and he's lippy and 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 obnoxious and a punk. I mean, that's just you know he, those they they are those type of players that are you know what they used to call uh, red asses, you know, they're, they're, they're firebrands. And, um, and, and that's just his game. I mean, Machado has always conducted himself that way. And, um, and frankly, last night after the game, I don't think the Orioles uh, reacted poorly at all. I think they probably acted appropriately. They called out Papelbon, uh, which they should have. It was a, uh, it was a total punk move by Papelbon. And, and the only reason Papelbon didn't hit him with the first pitch is because his control is, is, is worsening. You know, he, he fully intended to, to hit Manny Machado with the first pitch, and, and he had to settle to get him on the third. So um, I think I think Papelbon's comments after the game were telling, um, saying the, the whole perception is reality BS, you know. Um, and I think Harper's comments after the game were telling, saying that he thought it was it was a tired move and, and I'm probably going to get hit tomorrow. So um, I don't think it's any coincidence this team went in the tank um, at the trade deadline 
uh, either because of the, the injuries um, that the, the Nats had had and working injured players back into the lineup that they had to go through their spring training. Also, the, the, the poor mood that was around the clubhouse for um, for, for bringing Papelbon in and, and just completely altering um, completely altering the, uh, the the tenor of the clubhouse there, um, knowing that knowing that the team capitulated to that player that specific player's demands that he would not accept the trade unless he came in as the closer, completely unsettling what had been a pretty decent uh, back end of the bullpen up until that point. So I think all those factors worked into it. I think if the seventh and eighth inning guys had performed, it never would have been a problem. But they didn't. They lost a few. Clipper gone by the trade. Salmon out of there, Tanner Roark, I think could have probably fit into that role if they just stuck him there all year and kept him there, but they didn't, and they kept moving him around too. He goes another mediocre start tonight, so you hope he'll bounce back next season. But my last thought is that how arrogant of that young Brad Harper kid to think that he's the one who get retaliated against. But Nationals can't win tonight, 78 and 74 on the year after the loss, three straight to the O's. They start a series with the Phillies tomorrow night. <laughs> Do you have something to add? No. I really don't have anything else to add. 78. 74 on the year. Three with the Phillies coming up. Nats Nightly sponsored by the District Sports page and federalbaseball.com. We'll talk to you tomorrow, sir. Yeah, at least you get to go to bed or something. I have to go watch the Redskins now. I don't even know what a Redskin is. Talk to you tomorrow.